Welcome to Pastor John Miller's Cultural Impact Podcast, brought to you by Church on the Rock. All right, hello and welcome to our, another episode of our Pastor John Cultural Impact Podcast, uh, a podcast that's all about biblical worldview for a modern culture. I'm Travis and I'm here with Pastor John. It's a new year. How are you doing today? I got to be honest, I'm sore today. I worked in my yard yesterday for six hours in my garden, mulching some leaves and bending over, bending over, bending over, oh, and I can barely move today. Oh, man. So I guess I'm getting old. Oh, man. You got to get the grandkid <laughs> to do that pretty quick, huh? Yeah, well, he's three months old, so he's not ready yet. A few years. Okay. Well, hey, we're so glad that you're tuning in to listen to us today, but we're going to go ahead and just jump on in. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read that first radio message and we'll get going? Yeah, a little 30 second spot. Um, I asked the question, do you know that your family will have a better life if you go to church regularly? Sociologist Robert Putnam's research shows that kids who go to church uh, take, will take tougher courses in school, get higher grades, and less likely to drop out of school. He also notes that church-going kids have better relationships with their family. There's nothing magical about a church building, but when people connect with God and worship and learn truth from the Bible, they begin a journey to become the person God created them to be. Listen, that's pretty cool. Families that go to church seem to have a better life. Yeah, and also I read that a person that goes to church regularly will live two to three years longer. Hmm, that's pretty good right there. Uh, Tell me this, why is it so important just for the average person that that we go to church? Yeah, well, first and most importantly uh, is to worship God. Uh, to deliberately set aside time to connect with our Creator, our Sustainer, uh, the Giver of life, the one to whom one day we'll stand before uh, as our judge, uh, coming to church is that experience of relating to God. Uh, It's it's being in His presence, it's worshiping Him, uh, and super important is it's learning the truth of the Bible. That's why a Bible-believing church, it's not just going to a church building, but a place where God's Word is taught because, again, God's Word is truth, and the Bible says it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So that's two big reasons to encounter a living God and to learn the truth of the Word. Yeah, and it's going to help you live better too. Absolutely. And longer. So, See, if you go to church, and let's say if you're having a fight with your wife, well, guess what's going to happen? In worship, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you. And I've heard this many times where people would literally turn to their spouse in church and say, I'm sorry we had a fight yeah. today. See, God helps all areas of our life. Maybe you're about to make a big decision in your business and you're going to cross an ethical barrier that you shouldn't cross. Well, you'll be convicted. And it's just way more apt to happen if you're deliberately in God's house as opposed to if you're home watching a podcast or, you know, watching church on TV. Absolutely. I know my wife's been convicted many times going home. So uh, (laughs) good job. Let's go ahead and move on. Look at your next radio message. I really like this one. This one really stood out to me. And uh, I want to ask you a couple big questions right afterwards. Okay. Uh, It's about a city in Palm Springs, California. But they said they were going to cut down trees that were blocking a minority neighborhood from viewing a a golf course in the mountains. Uh, Residents say the trees were planted in the 60s as a form of racism. We all recognize the ugly history of racism in America, but our solutions must go deeper than cutting down trees. Racial hatred grows in the human heart, and it's the heart that Jesus can change. When a person is truly born again, hatred turns to love, and this is a solution that will help us win the race war. 
Listen, this topic has been really big the last few weeks. I mean, it's on all the media cycles, at least for uh, several days there. But this is bigger than just a golf course. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, I know this is a broad question, but what can the church do to address racism in 2018? Well, that is a broad question. First of all, we do want to acknowledge two things. Number one, there has been a problem of racism in America. It's not just been white, black, black, white. We've got American Indians. We've got Hispanic. We've got Oriental. There's a, there's the, 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 the America has a history of uh, racial inequality. Uh, it's in our culture now, but I think our current approaches to fixing it are oftentimes making it worse. Because, for example, cutting down trees. Uh, that the, the racism is not wrapped up in a tree. Uh, racism is something that comes from the heart of a person. Yeah. To hate another person because of the color of their skin, uh, to treat people differently simply because of a racial stereotype. I mean, the root of this stuff is in the human heart. And until we address the human heart, well, for example, the starting place, is it a sin? to act in a, a hateful way to a person? Is it a sin to make fun of someone just because of the color of their skin? Uh, yeah, the arrogance, looking down on people, uh, uh, acts of violence. Uh, if it's a sin, then we bring God in the picture. See, secular America can only deal with the externals. Yeah. You know, we deal with racial quotas. Uh, you know, we deal with safe spaces, all these things that are external, and they do nothing to change the heart. Because you can force me, you can force me if you're strong enough to sit down, but you've heard the phrase, I'm sitting down on the outside, but standing up on the inside. Right, right. And that's why this is a spiritual problem. Yeah not just a problem that chainsaws can solve. Yeah. Well, you know, you've heard it said for years that the most segregated hour even uh, is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And I know our church has done everything that we can to break down barriers. Would you speak into that just for yeah, a second? Yeah, abs absolutely. Now, our church is in the South. Uh, we're a little still have some Mayberry-esque quality to us a little bit. Uh, but it's been very important to me over the years to build a church that was reflective not only of the community, but reflective of, of what heaven's going to be like one day. See, and here's a starting place for me as a Christian. In the book of Galatians, it says, In Christ there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but you're all one in Christ Jesus. Which, you have the gender stereotypes, you have the economic, you have the racial divisions, and to go even deeper than that, not only in Christ, but the Bible says that God created all of us. Yeah. See, God is the creator. And, 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 and people, if I have different skin color or whatever attributes about my life, God is the one that created me as a human being first. Yeah. So biblically, uh, I'm related to you. You're my, in Christ particularly, my brother or sister because of our relation in Christ. But we're fellow members of the human race. Uh, and that's a big, big starting place. If we start from the Bible, the way that God created us and the way that God views us, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. That's a big, that's a big, big starting place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just one more kind of on this as well. What can the average Christian do in their daily life to just kind of bridge that gap? Because we know it's out there. But what can I do to, to kind of to help out? Well, I would start from the second great commandment. Uh, you remember when Jesus was asked of all the commandments in the Bible, the first was to love the Lord with all your heart. But then he said the second was to love your neighbor as yourself. So if this has to do with, with certainly life as a whole, but particularly with racial issues, 
I want to go out of my way to treat people with honor and respect that are different from me. I want to go out of my way, whether it's to open a door, whether it's to say thank you, tipping in a restaurant. Uh, I, I, I want to walk through this life recognizing that the world is filled with racial stereotypes, and I want to love people that are different from me. Absolutely. I, I want to smile. I, I want to show preference. <laughs> I'll defer to parking spaces, uh, uh, you know, just practically. Sp and also, I want to stand up for people that are marginalized. Yeah. You know, I want to stand up for those that don't have a voice. Uh, you know, if somebody is, is doing something that's wrong just because race is involved, I want to have the courage to stand yeah. up for that. Uh, I guess that's the second thing. Oh, uh, of course, well, I think in our church is a huge, huge testimony. You know, in our church, we don't, we don't try to have whatever, quote, racial quotas and all that kind of stuff. But when we open the doors, we want to leave those views of prejudices outside. Yeah. Whether you drove up to the church in a Mercedes or whether you took a cab or, or you walked to church, I want to treat you with the same honor and respect, irrespective of your socioeconomic or, or, or racial outlook. Uh, church should be a place where we drop all the walls and barriers and leave them outside the, the, the doors of the church. And our church does this. Yeah. You know, uh, the government can force our schools to segregate, but you can't force people to uh, force our schools to integrate, but you can't force people to love one another. And that's what Jesus does. Yeah. See, I was raised in the racially charged South. I was I was raised in the 60s in Mississippi. I understand all that. But I also understand how the love of Christ can overshadow the hatred that's in the world today. Yeah, that's great. And, and ever since I've known you, you've you've made it a point to say we want our church to look like our community. And I think we've done a, a great job. And and uh, the name of Jesus, like you said, it, it's going all around. And so yeah. this is an inclusive gospel. So. Absolutely. Uh, anyways, let's move on to the uh, the very last message here. This one's great too. Read this and, and two more questions. Okay. Uh, let's see. This has to do with uh, sexual harassment allegations at work. Uh, NBC recently issued strict guidelines to set boundaries for inappropriate behavior. However, Michael Brown, the author, noted uh, NBC needs more than rules to control human behavior. Rules alone can never control lust in the human heart. What's needed is a biblical value system that honors and respects the opposite sex. When we're taught truth from God's perspective, our conscience will help us live within God-ordained boundaries in all areas of life. Listen, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know what's going on the last few months with the whole Harvey Weinstein and all these things. But Hollywood and the entertainment industry, they've taken a big blow. And a lot of things that were in the darkness have come to light. But very practical question here. How does the average Christian live a life of sexual purity and not fall into sexual sin? Well, first of all, referencing the spot, uh, rules alone won't do it. Though we need rules in a civil society. You know, the whole Old Testament, the Bible says in the Galatians that it was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. In other words, the rules, the commandments of God, the perfect standards are there not to help us earn our way into heaven, but show us our sinfulness. But the problem is, again, the human heart. I don't have, an, I, I don't have enough within me to control lust. But yet, when I have a strong relationship with God, uh, uh, and I change the way I look at another person, 
For example, we're conditioned in society the way people dress, you know, the provocative songs, music, videos, everything. Uh, we live in a valueless society when it comes to sexual yeah. standards. So, you know, I applaud people that want to have rules in the workplace, but, but, but if rules don't start with values, they'll never control lust in the heart. For example, when I come to the starting place, and your question was, how can a Christian control uh, their sexual life? First of all, it starts with recognizing God's standards. And God's standards tells us to avoid sexual immorality. Uh, God blessed the sexual relationship between a man and a woman, but He put boundaries around it for marriage. Right. So when I, my starting place is God's Word. And I realize God created me as a sexual being. The enjoyment of sex is a good thing, but God's boundaries are within marriage. Well, that's a mindset for me. When the Bible teaches me to treat a younger woman as a sister rather than a sex object, yeah. again, it forms a value system. Jesus said, if I look on a woman with lust in my heart, I've already committed adultery. Mm -hmm. So when Christ is the center of it all, guess what? The Holy Spirit will convict me. Uh, and, and when the Holy Spirit convicts me, it'll make me want to live a pure life. Uh, I, I've been married 35 years. Uh, I have never been sexually unfaithful to my wife. Uh, tempted, yeah. Well, guess what? If I feed my lust, huh. I'm likely to fall. But if I'll starve my lust, if I will, uh, if I will uh, uh, do my best to live within the commandments, uh, if I'll stay away from places. Yeah. Now, this is a big thing. You know, the places I go, the songs I listen to, the movies I watch, they're feeding either my flesh or my spirit. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be sitting around a bar drinking, you know, with a bunch of good-looking women when I'm out of town because... You know, the pressure's there, and it's kind of like it's easier to fall down a hill than it is up a hill. Yeah. So the places you go are huge. The music, the videos, the TV, uh, the Facebook. Yeah. You know, w w having boundaries in your life, because it's a whole lot easier to control lust before you get in it. Absolutely then when you're in it, and then it's time to say no. Yeah, the old adage goes, you know, which dog will win in a fight? The one that you feed. Yeah. And so that, that's yeah. great. Spending time with the Lord, abstaining from temptation, running away from sin. But uh, those are all great, Pastor John. Any final yeah. thoughts uh, today? No, listen, it's, it's just this, is that the Bible is relevant for a modern-day world. Uh, there are certain th th certainly some things that were different culturally 2,000 years ago, but it's a relevant book. The author is alive, you know. Jesus uh, is alive and real when we pray. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, is a part of our life. So the Bible is relevant to modern day life. And if we will just do our best to read it every day, like we have a Bible app, church, on, you know, you can go to Church on the Rock, Texarkana, download it to your phone, read the Bible with us every day, two chapters, and I promise you it'll make a huge difference as we see culture through the lens of the Bible. Amen. Well, Pastor John, thank you so much. This has been another episode of our Pastor John's Cultural Impact Podcast. We're looking forward to 2018, getting closer to God, getting spiritual yeah. truths. And uh, we will see you next week. Uh, for Zach, for Pastor John, I'm Travis. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast, Timeless Wisdom for a Modern Culture.